Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of James. The book of James. Leading the singing this morning, I had obviously the control over what songs were picked out, and I tried to pick out songs that would be around the theme of this morning's message, and maybe you'll be able to tie all that together here in the next couple of moments. Uh, I had no say whatsoever, really, in what Tam's just saying. I didn't know she was going to be singing that song, but it certainly uh, ties into this morning's message, and I hope that you see the connection in a couple of moments, but uh, do appreciate that song and trust that this morning's message will be a help to us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house today. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have together. God, I pray that as we begin this new study, as we enter into this uh, familiar book of James to many of us, I pray, Lord, that it would not be something that is old and stale to us, but, Lord, that you would make it new and fresh and alive once more in our lives. God, I pray that you'd use it to speak to us in a very special way, not just this morning, but in the weeks to come. And, Lord, we would thank you for that. Pray that you'd bless each listener here this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be open and attentive to your word. God, that you'd use it to speak to us in whatever way we would need it today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, before we get into the message, I want to say just a little bit by way of background and by way of disclaimer, and then we're going to get into the sermon some of you may remember that several years ago on a Wednesday night, I did go through the book of James. This has been several years ago. Uh, my notes from that particular study would be somewhere in my office. I do not know where they're at. I made zero effort to find those notes this week because I was fairly confident I would not want to re-preach those. And so as we enter into this new study, I want you to know up front that uh, every sermon will be for lack of better words, new sermons for me. These will not be old sermons that are just dusted off and re-preached. And I trust that it'll be a help to each of us. So that is kind of the disclaimer. I just want to share with us real quickly a little bit about this book so that we're all on the same page, so that we're aware of this going into it. First of all, I want to share with us who the author of this book is. It is James, the half-brother of Christ. And as you read through this, here's what you find out immediately and will be referenced throughout the study, I'm sure. But the intended audience or the intended group that James is hoping to write to and communicate with and, and reach out to are other Jews who were believers in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the promised one, as the one who would save them from their sins. So this is not really a letter in general to Jews just of any particular background or any persuasion or position or anything of that nature, these letters or these words would have been written to Jews who had placed their faith in Christ as their Savior. And this is, it's got to be one of the most practical books of the Bible in all of Scripture. It's just, it's one of those books or letters that is written on a level that anyone can be helped by if we allow it to help us. And so I'm looking forward to the study. I don't know how long this will take, but I'm looking forward to the study. And again, trust that it will be a help to us. I know without a doubt it will be a help to us if we allow it to be a help. Now, if we come with a closed mind or a distracted mind, it will not be a help to us. But if we come with a heart open to receive the Word of God, then I believe it will be a help. So that in mind, 
This morning I want to begin with a thought that I may have shared at some point in the past. I, I, I can't see how I wouldn't have shared this thought at some point in the past. But this morning I, I want us to think about this truth that over the course of our lives, all of us, I would hope, at some point have achieved some kind of a personal goal. That over the course of our lives, whether it be as a child, whether it be as a young adult, or whatever stage of life we may identify ourselves with today, every one of us have achieved some kind of a per, uh, personal goal. So it may be an academic goal, it may be a physical goal, it may be uh, something that is just very personal to you and something that you would not necessarily share with very many other people. But every one of us at some point could say something like this, I was able to achieve this particular goal in my life. Now that in mind, here's what we know, that behind every accomplishment that's been made in our lives, a process was required in order for us to get to that point of accomplishment. You and I did not just wake up one day and decide, okay, this is what I want to do, and by that afternoon have it accomplished. You and I didn't wake up one day if it was a very significant dream or goal in mind. We didn't just wake up one day and say, well, you know, I, I think this is what I'm going to do, and by tomorrow morning have it accomplished or have it mastered or, or have it uh, done in our lives. I think every one of us would look back and say, okay, of those personal goals, of those milestones, those, those things that we've set in our lives as things that we want to do, in order for us to get there, there was a process that was required. Would we agree with that? So as this process has been required for us to achieve certain personal goals, here's what we know, is that the process is not always fun and exciting and enjoyable. Surely you would have to agree with that, would you not? That in order to get to this particular goal, in order to achieve this, it was not always an exciting, enjoyable, thrilling process. I think many of us would have to say this, that sometimes in order to achieve what it is we've wanted to achieve in life, it was with great difficulty sometimes. That there were hardships associated with what it was we wanted to accomplish and the process that it required to get us there. I think sometimes we'd have to admit that it was intense. Sometimes it was grueling. Sometimes it seemed overwhelming. Sometimes it seemed like too great of a burden for us to bear. I think every one of us, if we were honest, would have to admit that sometimes in the midst of the process of getting to this goal we would like to achieve, this goal that we want to accomplish in our lives, I think all of us would have to admit that there have been times in which we entertained the idea of quitting because we wondered if it was really worth it in the long run. But for those of us who have endured the process, for those of us who have endured the difficulties and the challenges and, and the obstacles and the discouragement and everything that presented itself in the midst of the process, if we got through all that, if we worked through every one of those struggles and we achieved it, not one of us looked back with regret. I don't know that I've ever spoken to someone who has accomplished personal goals in their lives, who endured all the process and all the difficulties, and they would look back and say, you know, I wish I had never done it. 
I wish I had never applied myself. I wish I had never put forth the discipline that required that. No, whenever people accomplish the goals and the dreams and the ambitions they have for themselves, regardless of what it took for them to get there, they are glad that they stuck with it and accomplished it. So as we think about that this morning, this morning I'm going to assume the best of every one of us. I know this isn't really safe to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to assume the best of every one of us, and here's what I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume that every one of us have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, again, I, I don't know that to be the case, and that's probably an unsafe assumption to make. But for just a moment, let's assume that everyone in the room this morning has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And beyond that, here's what I'd also like to assume of us, that every one of us want to have a solid relationship with Jesus Christ, one that is not shallow, one that is not just surface level, one, though, that has some depth to it. I would hope, and I, I'm just going to operate from the assumption this morning, that that is the kind of Christian life that every one of us have, want to have a, a, a relationship with the Lord that has some substance to it. Does it sound like something you might say, that's what I want for myself? A relationship with the Lord that has some substance to it? Well, if that's what we want, then here is what you know, and here is what I'm going to remind you of, and that is, in order to have that kind of a relationship, it does not take place overnight. No one wakes up one morning and says, you know, I want a deep relationship with the Lord. think I'll get that done this afternoon. That's not how it works. No one wakes up one day and says, you know, I think I want one of those relationships that's really strong and solid and, and stands the test of time. That, that's what I want. I think I'll do that tomorrow whenever I've got a little bit extra time. No, in order for you and I to become the Christians that we would suggest we want to be, here's what every one of us knows. We know that it requires a process. Are we hearing this this morning? It requires a process. And here's the thing about a process in our Christian life. Here's, here's the truth of the matter. And again, most of you know this, but I just want to remind us of it. That in order to have the kind of walk with the Lord we would suggest we want to have with the Lord, it's not always fun, it's not always enjoyable, and it's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's trying, sometimes it's intense, sometimes it's grueling. And because it's not always easy, I think any honest person would have to admit that at some point in the Christian life they have entertained this question. Is it really worth it? Is all this really worth it? What I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, what I'm enduring, what I'm putting up with, the intensity of it, the pain of it, the hardship of it, everything that I'm dealing with, I think most honest people would have to admit that this question has been asked, is it worth it? 
And they have entertained the idea of just throwing in the towel and quitting. Now, maybe you wouldn't want to sit here this morning and admit such a thing. But again, I think if most honest people could be questioned, they would have to say, you know, at some point, maybe not recently, maybe not in the last few weeks or months, but there was a time in my life I questioned everything it was I was doing. And I've got to be honest and admit the thought of quitting entered my mind. We know this, but we need the reminder that in order to become what we're supposed to be in the Christian life, it's going to be a process, and it'll not always be enjoyable. Well, how do we know? Well, look in verse number 1 this morning, if you would, for just a moment. In verse number 1 of James chapter 1, we read these words. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So we see, obviously, that James identifies himself as the author of this letter. He identifies himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and obviously there is much that could be said about that. But he goes on to identify, in verse number 1, who his audience is, that it is to the twelve tribes, which is obviously a reference to the twelve tribes of Israel, and that's good to know for this reason, because what James is going to be saying, he makes clear whenever he says to the 12 tribes that this would be true of every individual regardless of what tribe they may have come from, regardless of what people group they may have come from, regardless of what land they may live in now, this truth would apply to them as much as it would to anyone else. And so it's good for us to read that and to be reminded of it for this reason, that it reminds us that what is written in the book of James is as true for me and as as true for you as it could be for anyone else. So it's not like we can read this and say, well, that was true for them, or it's true for someone else, but it's not true for me. No, it would be as true for us today as it would have been for them. It doesn't matter where we come from, what manner of life we come from, or what our walk of life may be. What James is going to share in the next couple of verses, it's as much for us in the same way as it was for them in their day. So he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, an important word I've overlooked for many years. He said next, greeting. Why is that an important word? It's an important word because part of the idea behind this word greeting is not just like saying hello or hi or something of that nature, but within that word is contained this thought or this, this perception, that of joy or happiness. So it's important for us to know as we enter into this message this morning and as we enter into this study, it's important for us to know this, that James is not approaching them from a position or a perspective of discouragement or sadness or disappointment, but rather, we might say it like this, James is upbeat right now and he's positive and his outlook in life is good. And so as he writes these openings, as he writes these opening words, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. I think most of us know what this verse means. I don't mean to just 
say things unnecessarily this morning, but I want us to think about this because the reminder is helpful for us. What does it mean when James speaks of divers' temptations? Well, he's talking about how there is a wide range or a, a, a multitude of ways in which a person can be tempted, but not in the means of being tempted to sin, but in the means in which a person is tested, in which a person is tried. James is making clear that as a person goes through life, it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter what they've seen. It doesn't matter what they've accomplished. He said there are going to be various ways, various occasions, varying degrees of how we are going to be tested and how we are going to be tried. I think this morning all of us, again, are aware of this, but I, I want us to think about this that every one of us are going to go through different trials of life. Every one of us are going to go through different circumstances that are not necessarily enjoyable. But just because we're going through one set of circumstances doesn't mean that everyone will go through the same set of circumstances. And so what I'm going through, you may not go through. And what you go through, I may not go through. But it's good to be reminded that everyone is going to go through something at some point in their lives. For one, it may be health. For another, it may be finances. For another, it may be relationship. It could be any number of things. But he said this. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. Count it all joy. What does it mean to count something all joy? It just means this to view it from the position of gladness or, again, some happiness. Now, is James suggesting that if bad news comes your way, if, if tragedy were to strike, that that's something you need to get all excited about and rejoice in and, and celebrate and give high fives to your friends over? No, that's not at all what he's saying. But what he is saying is this is rather than responding in the typical fashion that most people would, here is what you need to do. When you are tested and when you are tried, here is what that needs to do. That needs to produce in your life a sense of gladness or a sense of joy or a sense of happiness. And as contrary to the rational mind as that may seem, James explains why that needs to be our response. Because of this in verse number 3. Knowing this or understanding this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. What does it mean to know something? It just means to understand it. This is something that I know. This is something that I understand. This is something that I am aware of. This is something that I am mindful of. So James knows that his audience knows this, but he's sharing it with them one more time. So he says, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, the circumstances of life you may be involved in. He said, whoever may pick up this letter and read it, here is what I want to remind you of, that whenever you are tested, whenever you are tried, in whatever manner, in whatever shape the test 
testing may come, he said, I want you to count it or to consider it all joy. I want you to be glad about this. I want you to, to be thankful for this. Again, not for the trial itself, but because you know and understand this, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh or produceth or accomplishes patience. What does it mean whenever James speaks of faith in verse number 3? He's just saying this. It's the things, or he is speaking of, the things that a person would hold in their lives to be true. It's what a person would claim that they are convicted of to be so. And so what James is saying is this, that when the faith is tried, the things that we profess to be true, he says we know that the trying or the testing of our faith, it worketh or it produceth or it accomplishes patience. And what is patience a reference to? It's a reference to one's strength. James says that when the testings come, the faith, the things that we suggest we hold to and believe, it is only through the testing that our faith is made strong. See, that's part of the process that I don't like. That's part of the process that most people don't like. I want my faith to be strong. I want my relationship with God to be solid. I want to have one of those relationships with God that is deep and has substance and and has some credibility to it. But here's my problem, and I think it is the problem of so many people because of the way we think. We want to have that kind of faith, but we don't ever want our faith to be tested or tried. So that means we want to have the substance and we want to have the depth and we want to have the the credibility, so to speak, of our faith being strong. We just don't want it to go through the fires. And James is reminding them that a faith that is never tested and a faith that is never tried is a faith that will never grow and will never increase in strength. If you and I do not have to go through the difficult trials of life, then what we say we want out of the Christian life will never be accomplished. So just follow through this real quick. He said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, understanding this, being aware that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So then here is the challenge presented to the believers again, just in these first few verses. He said, but let patience have her perfect work. What's he saying? He's saying this. Let the process take place. Allow this to happen. Allow this to, to, to take place in your life. Let patience have her perfect work. For what reason? That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. What is James saying to those who would pick up this letter and read it? He is saying this, that if you will allow patience 
to do what she can do, what only she can do, the strengthening process, then here is what it will do, is that it will make you perfect or complete or whole or mature and entire, and you will not be lacking then in the spiritual depth that you would suggest you would desire to have. Are we following this? We're we're looking a little less than receptive to all this this morning, okay? Here is James saying, come on, believers. Don't get upset when the difficulties of life come your way. Believers, when, when the faith is tested, when the faith is tried, when everything that you suggest you believe has come under fire, Count it all joy. For what reason? Because we understand that when our faith is tried, that process produces something in our lives, and that is a strengthening of our faith. So then, let patience have or do her perfect work so that you can become who you say you want to become in this Christian life, but don't let the struggles and don't let the hardships and the difficulties and and the, the seriousness of what you're going through, don't let that be what causes you to A, lose your joy and B, stop the process. I think every one of us have been guilty of this, and if we have not been guilty of this, we have certainly known those who have been guilty of it. But I think every one of us have known people who were going through things, and I think every one of us have been the person who was going through things. And because it was intense, and because it was grueling, and because it was difficult, we no longer found the joy in our faith growing. Have you ever been there? You've been going through some things and maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted you and reminded you, hey, listen, I'm trying to teach you some things. I'm trying to grow you here. But because it's gone on a little bit longer than what we've wanted it to, it's, it's been a little bit more difficult than we were hoping it would be. Uh, we've all, I think, at some point in our lives lost our joy. Say, so, Brother Kyle, that's, that's never happened to me. You're a liar. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be offensive. But we've all gotten bent out of shape. I, I, I've seen all of us at different points look as though we were just we, we were just tired of it all, and we were discouraged, and we were frustrated, and we were upset. We didn't we didn't want to do this anymore. Listen, whenever the trials come, we need to be reminded of what James said. We cannot let this affect our joy. We have to maintain our joy. And then the other thing is this. And again, it's a struggle in what I've already referenced, but. But in the midst of the testing of our faith, we cannot stop. We can't. And here's why. If we stop, we'll never become what we want to be. Or if we stop and then try to restart later, you know what? We'll just have to go through it again at some other point. 
Have you ever noticed that in the Christian life that, that you've been a part of? That as you're going through life, life is hard and life is challenging and life is difficult. And, and so maybe you've just kind of thrown up your hands in the air. And, and maybe you didn't say to God in a verbal, verbal manner that, that, God, I quit and I'm just done and I'm through and I'm not going to mess with this anymore. But, but maybe you just decided to take your foot off the gas a little bit, so to speak. And you thought, you know, I'm just not doing this like I once did. Isn't it amazing how we have to go through the same lesson then at some point down the road? Because we obviously didn't get it the first time. We have to go through that trial again because we didn't learn from it what we were supposed to the last time. I'm just saying there is a great source of encouragement in the scripture here that I think you and I need today as much as the believers needed some 2,000 years ago when James penned these letters. We need to remember that if we want to be men and women who accomplish this spiritual goal of some depth, of some maturity, of some strength in our spiritual lives, then we need to be reminded that it requires a process that is difficult at times. And though it may be difficult, we need to be reminded that we need to maintain our joy and our gladness in the midst of it. Again, not celebrating and rejoicing in the idea that hard times have come, but rejoicing and celebrating in what God is trying to accomplish in our lives and then also reminding ourselves that it is through this process, if we allow it to run its full course, that we will be the Christians that we desire to be and that God desires us to be. And so this morning, I'm going to close the message like I have in, in similar fashion so many times over the years. I don't know if this needs to be said, but I'm going to say it for our sake, maybe yours, maybe someone else's. But you may be sitting here this morning and you may say, Brother Kyle, you know, I, I'm, I'm going through a good stretch right now. You know, the Christian life right now is, is pretty obstacle-free. You know, right now, Brother Kyle, it, it just seems pretty smooth sailing. I want you to know, as I've said before in the past, I'm happy for you. I really am. If you're sitting here this morning and you can't identify with the hardship, you can't identify with the struggles right now, if you had sat here this morning and said, Brother Kyle, my life is so easy right now, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm thankful for you. I truly am. But here's what I know. It will not stay that way for you. It's not going to. So you're being so negative. No, I'm just being honest with us. If we are in a spot right now where what we claim to believe is not being tested and tried, at some point in the future it will be tested and it will be tried. And it's at that moment we need to keep our joy, we need to keep our gladness, and we need to continue on through the process knowing what God is hoping to accomplish in us through the process. But if you sit here this morning and you'd say, Brother Kyle, I am struggling. I am going through a difficult time. Brother Kyle, this, this has been a rough stretch for me in the last few weeks. I just want to share with you by way of reminder that God is trying to do in your life what can only be done in your life through the trials of life. If it's never tested, if it's never tried, it will never be strengthened. 
So if you're going through a hard stretch right now, if you're going through some difficult days right now, I want to remind you that God is trying to do in your life what can only be done through the trials of life. And I'm not saying you leave here excited and thrilled and rejoicing over those trials, but I am saying you leave here today with a different outlook on those trials, saying something to this effect, Lord, I'm thankful for what you're desiring to do in my life. And then if by chance you're sitting here this morning saying, it's been going on for so long, I don't know how much more I can bear, let me just remind you, you do not want to quit. Because if you quit, you will fail to reach the spiritual goal you claim to have. And if you quit, you'll only have to be brought back to that exact same lesson at some point in the future. You and I might as well just get through it this time so that we've got it behind us so that we can go to the next opportunity rather than just revisiting the same one over and over and over again. And and, and I don't know about you. I'll just say for myself, I've been to some of those same testings multiple times. I, I, listen, I've been there like, like the merry-go-round. Say, like, oh, it's here again. It's here again. It's here again. Why is it there again? Because obviously I've not learned from it what I needed to learn from it so that I could go to the next one. I, I'm just saying that's not an enjoyable way to approach the Christian life, repeating it over and over again. And so let me just close with this. Whether you need it now or you need it in the future, be reminded God allows those things to happen, whatever the testings may be, because they vary in what they are. Remind yourself God allows that to happen so that we can be tested, so that we can grow, and so that we can become the men and women we're supposed to be. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you would help us to be reminded of what James shared with us today. Lord, I know the words are old, and yet they are as true today as they have ever been. And God, it can be a struggle sometimes to maintain the right attitude, to maintain the right outlook in the midst of the testing. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to maintain our joy in the midst of the process. And God, I pray that though the thoughts of quitting may be entertained, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who would never quit so that we can become exactly what you would desire us to be over the course of our lives. I pray that you'd bless the invitation this morning. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.